Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. So thank you, Kimberly, for being here today. For those listening, Kimberly is the owner slash founder of Southern Sunshine and Wine. Um, So Kimberly, thank you for being here today. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. I'm excited we can make this work out. (laughs) Yes, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. And it's fitting that we met through a wine club up in North Atlanta, Alpharetta area. Um, How did you originally get into wine and like, how did you choose this industry? Because it's a little bit of a niche thing to kind of dig into. Yeah, so it's kind of um, a... Not a super long story, but I grew up in Southern California, um, so it was very close to wine country. So when I um, was living in Los Angeles, working in film and television, my cousins out there that I stayed with are really big wine um, proprietors into Santa Barbara Wine County. So I grew up drinking really good wine. And so I've always kind of been like tapped into that part of the wine industry. Um, but, you know, I had a career. I have a career, just left my career full time last year in television for 14 years. Um, And so I knew at some point when I had kids that I wanted to do something, um, but I didn't know what it was, like something outside of the business because of the hours and and what the business entailed. And so fast forward to COVID, just had a newborn baby shut down. And I'm like, okay, now I really have time to think what I want to do. And I had an opportunity to join um, the company that I market for. And that kind of fell in my lap. My best friend was doing it. It was like, you've got to do this. You love wine. And that kind of opened up the door for the rest of it. And then what exactly? So when you're talking about wine, what does that entail? Because you do wine tastings. You're, you sell a little wine, if I'm not mistaken. And then there's also the gift side of it, like for corporate side as well. So what does it entail when you're doing the business that you're in? Yeah, so my Southern Sunshine and Wine is kind of an umbrella. So I'm a wine educator, first and foremost. That's what I love to do. Um, I have a platform that I educate on, things that are very important to me and I'm very passionate about. Um, So under that umbrella, I do wine tastings and wine education classes. And then I also market for direct-to-consumer winery who does clean crafted wine. Um, Same aligns with the same values as myself, small production, um, you know, sustainable, all of those things. And then um, in the fall, we have a huge gifting program, corporate gifting program um, through Scout and Seller, the company that I market for. And so we make it really easy for corporate gifting. Um, So corporate can give great gifts out, unique gifts out, things that are only available from the winery. Um, And we do all the work for, for for the corporate offices. We send everything out with whatever messages that they want and whatever they want. And then, so you've been open for a little over a year now, and then you also have that little plaque right behind you. So the best of 2022 of Georgia. Yes. (laughs) What were some of the things that you learned over this year? Like what were some of the challenges that you had to overcome? And then how, how do you think you got that at the end? Because they don't just pass that out to anyone. I think, um, 
there's more challenges, I think, in this being an entrepreneur. Um, I think a lot of it is figuring it out. You know, there's no blueprint on how to do this. And so it's a lot of trial and error. And I've made a lot of mistakes and I've spent a lot of unnecessary money on things. And like, I've learned through the years kind of like, I'm better now about it. Um, but I think that I won best of Georgia because I am authentic. I'm trustworthy. People tend to like me, trust me because they can believe in me and in my message and what I do. And that if, you know, they want some education or tasting, or they want to purchase wine, that I'm just authentic and transparent about it. And I'm going to bring the best product to the table, whether it be a tasting or a bottle of wine. When it comes to the customer service side, what, what do you really try to make sure that you're doing right? Or like, what do you really try to focus on? Because I remember at one of the times we met at the, the wine club, you brought a bottle of, I forget what it was, but then you also brought like the knife thing. So that way Chase could sit there and actually pop it. Yeah. Like that's just like a unique thing that kind of stuck out for him, I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure you kind of do stuff maybe on a smaller scale for some of the wine tastings and the other clients that you're working for. Yeah. The savoring thing, if um, you've ever been to my house and you have to come, I make everybody savor because it's a really fun party trick and people are so intimidated um, and it's really not as complicated as it seems. But um, one of the things that I really try to do is I think about what's important for me when I'm out doing something like this is that communication, right? So I mm -hmm. want people to communicate things to me. And so I try to make it a point to be really, um, I communicate a lot with my clientele or customers um, on what's expected, whether it be a wine tasting or if there's an issue with something, a date conflict, whatever, and try to really communicate. And when I'm out doing tastings or wine education classes, I try to um, really pay attention to detail. So I don't want it. It's not something that like, oh, let's just all drink and have fun. Like, it's not really that. I am more of an educator. So I want people that really want to learn. And we, I bring like tasting mats and I do tech sheets on all the wines and all of the paperwork so that they can leave not only having a great time, feeling more confident, learning something, but that they physically have something to take with them to look back on later when they're sitting down like, where was that wine from? Or what was the story she told about the winemaker? those kinds of things. So I really am connecting um, my customers and clients with the product, whether that be learning about wine, a specific wine, or, you know, the company as a whole. How, did you, have you voiced on that from when you started? I think the storytelling part of wine has always what has always been what has drawn me into wine. Mm -hmm. So I've always supported small production. It's it's just always been something I've done from a really young age when I started drinking wine, because that the storytelling is what it like captures me with anything, but wine, especially where they came from, why they started, what their practices are, why they choose to do that, you know, all the things. And so I try to really convey that storytelling when I'm teaching or introducing somebody to something. What do you say to someone where I can imagine there's some people who are just they like wine, but then when you talk about it in that way, like, oh, the story, the this and that, I'm sure you, you, or maybe not, they may not even come to you at that point. Do you ever have people in those taste, in those tastings kind of push back originally, and then you find them throughout the process, they kind of have a new appreciation for it when they didn't before? 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And I did definitely, especially early on when I was, um, so I've been, you know, marketing this wine that I'm this company I'm with for almost three years. So early on, definitely. I think now that I have, um, you know, a lot of wine credentials, like they'll try in the beginning sometimes, um, especially if they really like high end wine or have been over there, or whatever they try to push back. And listen, I may be a wine expert in my field because of my certifications, but that doesn't mean that I know everything. And so a yeah. lot of times I kind of try to listen and then kind of play off of that. And so generally they, they calm down when they actually like I'll say something that they'll know. And then they're like, okay, maybe she does know what she's talking about. Okay. And then they kind of calm down and then they'll start to ask questions and kind of engage a little bit more. So it has happened. Doesn't happen all the time, but it has. I didn't even think about that. The opposite side of people that think they know more than you. I'm sure. like, but do you ever have people who just are like, that's kind of like all phony or like, why, why is it important? It's just a drink or, you know what I mean? Like there's some, it's like, I feel that way about it. IPAs. Yeah. I don't understand the whole hoopla about these things, but then you have these breweries that talk about the brewing process and this and people eat it up. Um, well, and it's not for everybody. And like the health aspects of the wine that I market for is like, not everybody cares that, you know, they can go to the store and pull a wine off that has synthetic pesticides, chemicals, and tons of sugar. Like they just don't care. And, you know, it's funny because my aunt is that way. She is a wine drinker. She drinks wine every day. And she's the first one to tell me, like, I don't really care. It's wine's wine. Like, it doesn't matter. I want my $7 bottle of wine. So, like, that's not my audience. And those aren't the people that, I mean, I, I'll try to educate them. And all I can say is that when you know better, you know, you should do better. But not, it's just not everybody's that way. And that's okay. That's okay. It's not for everybody. Do you recommend that we should check the bottles of wine before to make sure that it doesn't have those pesticides in there that did not cross my mind at all either like when it comes to wine everything kind of goes over my head so that's the problem and that's yeah. why there's consultants like me who are out marketing this better wine and educating on this platform because it's an 88 billion dollar industry here in the U.S. and there's no regulation there's literally like the most minimal regulation on this product. And so it's not required to inform you what's in that bottle of wine. So yeah. the general population does not know that when you walk into a grocery store and you pull that wine, and it doesn't matter if it's barefoot or Camus, it's full of synthetic pesticides, added chemicals, like up to 16 grams of added sugar. And not that they all have like tons and tons, but it's in there. There'll be Roundup in all those bottles. Um, there's, you know, tannin powder to add tannin. There's just like all kinds of things, mega purple to add sugar and dyes, like all the things, but we don't, we're not told that as consumers. And so when I'm out, um, educating on that, I don't blame anybody for not knowing why would you know, unless yeah. you're taught. So it's tough. There's no way for you to know. You could try to even Google it and you're going to have a hard time finding that information. Interesting. Is that your favorite side of it? Do you prefer doing like the tastings and the education or is that kind of what pulls you into it? Yeah, as you can tell, I get really passionate about this. I get super fired up. Um, again, like because it's been something that I've been such a believer in for so long is supporting the small guy because they're doing things the right way, like sustainability too, first and foremost, so that it's preserving the environment for not only us, but the next generation, the generation after that. And when you're supporting, you know, mass produced winemakers, which is what you're seeing in the stores, they're not doing things sustainably. They're ruining yeah. the environment. And they're also putting out a product that's not good for you. It's not something we should be drinking. You know, it's full of just tons of sugar and stuff. So 
yes, I get very passionate and the educating on this part is like really important to me that letting people know that even if it's not through scout and seller, that it's making better choices and going into a wine shop, talking to the owner and finding winemakers that are at least doing things sustainable, but it's just like eating better, right? It takes a little more work to, to find organic products or vegan products um, or gluten-free products. Like it's, it takes a little more work. Same thing with mm-hmm. finding that better wine. It takes a little bit of work. It takes like Googling the winery and checking their viticulture practices and just making sure that they're sustainable because if they are, they're going to be loud and proud about it on their website. And then how are you always keeping track of all those trends? Because it seems like every so often there's a new type of wine that everyone is drinking or like the flavors are going, like there's just always seems to be these trends. Are there, do you go to like workshops frequently to like learn more about this? Are you attending webinars or like, what do you do there to kind of keep up on those things? Um, I'm very tapped into um, the wine industry, like through social media and the, like the wine growers and things that I know. And I, I read reports that come out, trend reports and things through the wine industry. But I think the most, like the biggest way that I learn is through talking to people. Like, what are you into? What is your friend into? What are you guys drinking? Um, You know, I think that the trend towards a more sustainable wine um, and more natural wines, it's like heading in that direction, which is really great for a lot of reasons. Um, Do I think we'll ever fully get away from mass produced wines? No, that's an $88 billion industry, you know, but um, I think people are starting to care more. And so they're going to start to like, pay attention more to what they're consuming. Okay, nice. Kind of switching topics a little bit here. How do you manage the life balance aspect of it? Because you're doing wine tastings. I'm sure it can be kind of tempting to like enjoy wine every single day and then you're doing that. And then people aren't doing that usually in the middle of the day, I'm, I'm assuming. So then that could like impede on life. And I know you have a young child as well. So it's like, how do you find that balance on managing those two things? Yeah, it's really um, one of the things that I've had to work on a lot. And so I just, um, like I had mentioned in December of 2021, I had quit my full-time job in television um, to focus more on the wine business. Because as you know, as an entrepreneur, there's a lot of stuff to do behind the scenes. Like the wine tasting part is the fun part. It's all the work leading up to that, that, that I do during the day. (laughs) And luckily, so I have a five and three-year-old there in school, at least in the mornings. Um, And then I really make it a point to only do a couple tastings a month. So that way I'm not gone constantly because what's Mm -hmm. the point of, you know, having a business to stay home more with my family if I'm going to be gone from my family. So I'll do like max four, probably a month right now. um, And that's kind of a good number. And then I spend my days like doing the behind the scenes stuff, um, you know, studying for more wine certs or whatever I'm doing. So trying to figure out that balance. Yeah. Um, We were in a workshop with Donald Miller yesterday. He's the one, I don't know if you've ever heard of story brand, but he does. It talks about like marketing and kind of branding and coming up with that story for your brand. Mm -hmm. Hence the name story brand. But he was talking about a lot of people that go into business, go into business. They don't go into business for the running of the business. So there's like all the admin tasks, all of that like annoying stuff that we all hate. And that really just kind of blew my mind open. (laughs) I was like, I didn't even think about that, but that is completely true. 
Um, have you had to like work with a VA or anything like that yet to kind of help delegate some of those things or how are you managing that? Yes, <laughs> the, all the things. And I think I saw your post and I was like, no, we grow businesses to sell businesses. Yes. yes um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, it's tough because, you know, I have like different facet facets of the business. So um, I've done a lot of the creation and stuff by myself. I've used a VA before. I found that I spend more time fixing what the VA is doing than like it's more, you know, I, I might as well just do it myself. Um, because it's very specific to the industry and to wine that it's really hard to outsource that to somebody who doesn't really know wine. So, um, one of the things I've done is like, I have a CRM now that I use. Um, I have, um, an app that I use to contact all of my customers, which has made life so much easier. Um, and it takes so much, it, it automates my business a little bit and, um, and takes some of that time off the table. Um, yeah. And then time blocking is kind of a thing. So I do have a VA currently working for me that does some things on a, on LinkedIn for me, um, but not as much as I used to have her do because I wasn't getting results with what I used to have her do. How does the app work that helps automate that stuff? Like, what does that process look like for you right now? Okay, so with my scout and seller business, I have about 300 customers. And part of okay. um, what I do is, you know, the customer service, right? So I check in with my customers regularly, let them know what's going on. Um, so I'm using a, a, a program called Project Broadcast. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. Um, it was created to be able to send out text messages. So I can create a campaign or I can create a one-time text message and I can send it to whoever I want. So um, in my direct sales business, you know, I have a whole downline. So I use it to communicate to them all at one time. Um, as an example, last week, I have about 30 customers who have some kind of credits in their account. And I wanted to remind them of that. And so instead of individually sending texts out to 30 people, I was able to craft a message and send that out to all 30 of them at the same time. So it's helped my business in, in that way because I can reach all yeah. of them at one time. And then the follow-up. So I can set a campaign to automatically follow up with my new customers. Now it's not having conversations with the customers. So that's on me, which is it should yeah. be, but it helps get those um, conversations started. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the half the battle is just getting it started. Once it happens and you get that ship going, yeah. it's a little bit easier to follow up with it. And then out of those 300 clients, are a lot of those doing the, like the corporate stuff as well, or most of them have either ordered from me in the past, still continue to order, or I have, we, you know, we have a wine club. So a lot of them are wine club members. Um, and so just, um, and you know, some of them are one-off, some of them ordered from me two and a half years ago, but I still stay in contact because you never know when they you need something, next one. you know? So that's kind of one of those things I haven't, um, my corporate contact people, I tend to like email and keep relationships going with them throughout the year. So when it comes time for that, I'm like, hey, I'm here. You want, you need something fun? <laughs> what does that process look like when they're trying to figure out what, like if you have someone, they don't know who they, it's kind of difficult to understand if someone enjoys white wine, Chardonnay, you know, whatever it is. What's your process of kind of like figuring that out or working with someone that wants to do the corporate side? 
Um, so the corporate side, we have gift sets that are put together by, um, by scout and sellers. So they'll put together favorites. So they'll put like a red set together, white set together, red and white, a sample set, a sparkling set, all these different things, which we also now have olive oil and vinegar, which was a really big hit over um, this holiday season and coffee, clean crafted coffee. Oh, it's actually coffee with the clean crafted standard. Um, which is what I'm drinking right now. Um, so now we were able to get out into like non-alcoholic products as well, which is um, yeah. some cor corporations aren't able to send alcohol. So this has really helped us with that. Um, but one of the things I tell everybody is that we have a guarantee. So if they were, you know, they sent it out to their um, customer and their customers like, I don't want this, you know, like we'll replace it for them. But typically what we're sending out is generally stuff most people would like. And then there's, you kind of just walk them through that process and it's pretty just like streamlined where it's like, Hey, these are the top things that most people are enjoying. Send that out. Yeah. We have about, I think this last year we had like 10 or 12 options. I think like the 10 wine options, maybe in like two um, of the olive oil and vinegar in the, in the coffee. And so I send them out like a one sheeter that has all of the information it shows the gift box, the branding card, all of the things. Mm. And then um, we talk about it. And if they decide that they want to do it, I literally send them a, like an Excel where they put the person's name, what the gift box is and the address. And then they send that back to me and then it all gets shipped out individually to all of those people. So we make it really, really easy. Like you just have to get us the addresses and what you want it to say and then we do the rest of the work. So it kind of makes it really easy on, you know, the marketing person or whoever I'm talking to at the corporation to just give me that information and then call it a day. Yeah. Is there a particular story or a time where a client has given a gift and they came to you with some sort of thing afterwards? No. Not no. usually, because I would say that, I know, I wish I had a good story to tell you. Um, usually, it, when people get it as a gift, it's a really nice gift. We try to make make it so that when they're opening it, they can also understand the story behind Scout and Cellar, and that it's not just another bottle of wine that was, you know, purchased off of the shelf or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's a little hard. So what I've been working on now is that when those gifts go out to those clients, that I retain their email addresses so that I'm able to follow up with them afterwards. Interesting. And then what do you do afterwards with them just to kind of check in like, Hey, how did you like the wine? How did you this and that? Yeah. And so, it, you know, introduce myself and let them know who I am and what I do. And if they enjoyed the wine, I offer up a free wine tasting, any questions, you know, I'm here for them as, you know, a follow-up. So if they ever want to order the wine again or join the wine club, then they know who their contact is. Because I think sometimes you get a gift and you're like, wow, this is so great. Where did it come from? Like you don't know how to reorder. You don't know where it came from. It was given to you. You got to do some research. So this way they have a direct contact to, you know, talk to if they want to join the wine club or order more wine. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And that's okay. <laughs> but that's smart though. Cause I, I, I've received gifts before from corp from certain people and I have no idea how to get back to them. Or it even just kind of jogged my memory where it's like, I want to do this for someone else. How could I repeat that? Give like kind of almost that same gift because I did such a good job. I'm like, I want to give that to someone else too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's important. I think it's important too, as a business owner that, you know, I take that opportunity to follow up and, and offer my services to them and help them. Cause like you said, maybe they want to give something to somebody. Um, and also I always offer free wine tastings and that could be somebody ordering wine and jumping on two people, one person, whatever with me on a zoom, if they're in another state or they can't make it to an in-person or whatever, and just talking about the wines. 
Like this is why this wine is so special. Um, so I, I always offer those as well. I love that too, because then it, one, again, you just, you get them in the door, you show them what it's all about, you teach them, they see your enthusiasm, they have a good time with it. When you're in the, those like wine tastings, is there a certain type of uh, like a, a size that you're going for too? Um, so when I go and do in-person wine tastings mm -hmm. where I'm actually bringing wine, because I do do them free through with Scout and Cellar, like I mark, it's a marketing thing. So I do, yeah. I will take wines. I usually do wine tastings. I ask for six to 12 people. That's kind of my sweet spot. Um, because if you get anything larger than that, you know, it becomes like a party and it's too loud. And if it's less than that, it's hard because it's like kind of wasteful with the wine. Cause then I have all this wine left over at the end of it. So six to 12 is kind of my sweet spot. If I'm going to just jump on a zoom and like educate somebody, it doesn't matter. I could have one person. I could have 20 people. It doesn't really matter. So, um, the virtual and like wine classes are a little bit different. And when I do, um, my paid tastings where I bring other non-scout and seller wines, I try to keep that at six, maybe eight. I didn't realize you do it virtual as well. Uh, yes, I can do it virtually as well. And I did a lot of virtual tastings during COVID. Well, so sorry. I got really good at the virtual tastings. Um, you know, you have, I use the deck, so I'm able to um, show things that way and then we can taste together. Or if they don't have the wine, we can just talk about it and they can drink other wine. Um, so it was really nice having the deck. And then when I started doing them in person, like, oh, I have to remember to talk about this and I have to remember to talk about that because, you know, I didn't have the deck in front of me, but it's essentially the same thing I do in person. I do virtually. Interesting. Is there a certain trends that you see that are happening right now when you're giving them like certain types of, um, like when you're in there in person, I can only assume they're giving you feedback mm -hmm. and I'm sure you can see the same things repeating. And then maybe they come in ebbs and flows like I know that I worked with someone that did like chocolate stuff at one point and they saw there were certain wines uh wines chocolates from certain parts of the country mm -hmm. that were doing better at certain times than other times flavors and all these other things like what are some of the ones that are happening right now I feel like right now it's like a big emphasis on New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc Rosé and then Pet Nat. So Pet Nat is like a natural um, sparkling wine. Okay. And that's kind of become a very popular thing in my non-scout and cellar because at Scout and Cellar, we don't make a Pet Nat. But um, so those are the things like, oh my gosh, I drink so much, you know, and obviously different times of the year, it changes because right now, like it's cold. So people generally drink more of the reds. And then as it's starting to turn to spring, um, they'll start drinking more of the whites, but late, but every time I'm in a tasting, literally I was here, okay, I drink New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc and then what's your rosé? So those are like the two popular wines right now that I see a lot that people are drinking. And I think that goes to the marketing of the mass produced wines, like Kim Crawford and um, like some of the Cote de Rosé or whatever, like some of those, I'm not as familiar with mass produced wines because I've never really bought them or drank them, but yeah. Um, those are the marketing I see a lot of. And like, when you go to the store, it's like the pretty bottle and it's like, oh, New Zealand's out Blanc. So those are, I think what people just buy because it's like what's trendy in the store. Yeah. I was going to ask, what do you think is driving that? Cause like Kim Crawford, I didn't realize they were one of those mass produced people. They never used to be, but then they were bought out. And now they're super, super, super mass produced. Mayomi is the same way. Mayomi Pinot Noir is full of like yeah. 20 grams of added sugar. It's like, one of my friends owns a wine shop in Alpharetta and he literally told me Mayomi is what kept his lights on during COVID. 
even though he has an incredible selection of really good wines, people are creatures of habit and they don't necessarily want to try things outside of what they know. And so when that's something that you see constantly, like in advertisements and print ads, and like, that's the thing. And that's what your friend's drinking. That's what your friend brings. Like that's why the wine trends is what the label looks like, what your friends are drinking and basically what's thrown in front of you. Like that's what they found. How do you balance that too then? Cause I'm sure that's a challenge because you'll have trends and like these huge marketing machines telling people to do something. And then you're like, no, you should not necessarily like trying to push them, but at the same time, you know, you kind of know what's better. So it's like, how yeah, do you- and, Yeah, and I'm the marketer. And so, um, you know, we, this is our marketing, me, I'm the market, you know? So I don't, we don't have like ads and we aren't in grocery stores and on purpose. Um, and so for me, like, it's hard. Cause like all I can do is, straight, is speak truthfully and be authentic and transparent. And people are gonna try it and buy it because they believe in me and my passion for the product. And then once they try it, so this is what we found, especially with Scout and Seller is that um, we're lacking brand awareness because there's Mm -hmm. not a lot of us out there like me. Um, But once people try the product, our retention rate is really great. So you can immediately tell a difference. Um, And also just the health benefits and you know, me personally, I don't get the headaches or hangovers or any reactions to the cleaner wines. And so I think once people realize that they can still drink wines and not get the reactions or they're diabetic and they've not been able to drink wines from the store because they're full of sugar, um, it makes a big difference. So just being passionate and getting people to try the product is really the no like trust factor is what I'm up against. Then how do you also, how are you marketing yourself now? Cause we kind of were talking about this before um, we started the call because that I can only imagine it's tough too because people are welcoming you in. Some of them probably are put not necessarily put off, but a lot of people don't like to be sold, mm-hmm. and I can only assume they just think you're a wine sales lady that <laughs> they're welcoming them in. Some people, and I'm sh- not the people that always regularly do. But how do you how are you marketing yourself, or what are you finding? that you're doing now that is working particularly well? So one thing that's worked for me, you know, in almost three years of doing this, and I've always had pretty great success at this, is that I'm not coming in to sell. I'm coming in to educate. Um, and so that's kind of, I think, what set me apart. I, you know, I've, I've been in tastings where like, oh yeah, we've had a scout and seller like consultant come out and they didn't say that and they didn't do that and they didn't do that. And I think what sets me apart from the other consultants or whatever is that I come in to educate. Of course, I want you to buy my wine, but Uh, I want you to buy my wine because I want you to have better wine. So for me, it's more important to go into a tasting to educate and teach them something than it is to walk out with all the sales. The sales will follow if they care. You know, it's just that for me, it's more important that they make better choices. Like, and again, that's the platform that I've always educated on and been a big believer in from the very beginning is like educating you on it. And whether you're, you choose to buy it from me or you believe in it or whatever, like that's up to you, but I go in very authentically and educate. And even before I had my wine certifications, like, you know, I mean, I, in, like really knew the industry, I still went in to educate with what I knew about the company and the product and all of those things. Have you found your love for it fallen at all since? No, not a bit. 
Nope. I wake up and this is one of the things when I started was like, if I don't like this anymore, I'm not doing it. If I don't believe in this anymore, I'm not doing it. And I can honestly tell you that I wake up every single day and I love what I do and I'm not tired of it. And I think part of being an entrepreneur is really enjoying the journey. Of course, we want the outcome and all the success, but really enjoying the journey is the most important part of it. And if you're not enjoying the journey, then it's like time to get out. So that's kind of my, my belief on just being an entrepreneur in any field. It's like just enjoying what you're doing. But do you think it's possible if you've lost that, it could have been because of systems you have in place, your routines, some of the challenges, you might be like self-sabotaging in some way. Do you think there's a way to find that, that happiness, that enjoyment again, or like, how would you go about that? You think, because I think it could be potentially dangerous to just say, Hey, if you don't enjoy it anymore, give it up instead of maybe try to find out how to get that back. I don't know. It's a tough. It is tough. And I think, and I, what I mean by that is like really not enjoying it for a long time and it being such a struggle. Um, I think burnout is real. And I think taking a step back and taking a reset can sometimes help that if you recognize it quickly. Um, and I can say that sometimes I'll do a reset or sometimes I'll work on my business for only 10 minutes for the day or 20 minutes or send one message or one email. And then other times, like I'll spend hours on it. Um, but I think, you know, the balance again, so like only doing four tastings a month for me, the balance is what keeps me from the burnout. And I think what happened, um, especially in my scout and seller business is that people saw such success. And then once everything opened back up from COVID and they actually had to put forth the effort and really work the business, there was massive burnout and they all just stopped. Mm. And for me, I, I kind of kept that slow and steady pace again, knowing from the beginning that I needed to enjoy this and I needed to take a break when I needed to take a break and I needed the balance. I didn't need to go out and do 12 tastings a month. Like I didn't need my business to grow that big, that quick. And then I'm still here three years later and still loving it and still growing because I was able to pace myself through this whole period of time and not have these crazy ups and downs. I love that. No, that's great. That's if you can mitigate that, you can do so much. And mindset, right? Like mindset's so huge. You know, I, uh, you know, I uh, like on a side note, I put a trip together to France in the summer or in the fall. And somebody yesterday told me like, that is so expensive. I can get it so, for so much cheaper. And like, normally you're like, your blood, your blood will boil. And I'm like, you're not my people. It's okay. And it's taken me a long time to have a mindset of like, I, it, that's fine. Like, and to not be bothered by negative comments or whatever, like, and, and I attribute that to growing my own direct sales business. I hear no a lot. I hear all the things like, it's fine. Not your people moving on, you know? So <laughs> The mindset part of also growing a business as an entrepreneur is huge. I can only imagine. No, I, I'm slowly starting to learn that. It's always been one of those things. But um, thank you so much for your time today, Kimberly. If anyone wanted to reach out for you for wine tastings, education, do you have any big projects happening coming out right now that you want to share? I, I actually do. <laughs> Um, so I, you know, um, all my mini hats that I wear, cause it's all, I love wine so much. Um, so I actually do, I have a product that's in development phase right now. I don't even have it to show you. 
Um, but it's called Odevin, and it's actually a home and body line that is um, wine inspired and created by sommeliers. So myself and my business partner are both sommeliers, and we worked with other big sommeliers in the Atlanta wine industry, and we put together a product line that is wine inspired. So it's going to be really fun and great. Um, hopefully you'll see it soon out in the world. We have big plans for it. It's going to go places. So um, that's the biggest thing I have going on in addition to all the wine stuff. But um, definitely if anybody wants to do a tasting or have questions about wine, um, I'm always here for that to consult, help with dinner parties, whatever. Um, you can get me at southernsunshineandwine.com. Follow me on Instagram at southernsunshineandwine. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you, Andrew, for having me. It was really fun. I'm glad we finally got to do this. <laughs> yes, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.